0: Go back to Psalm 119. Now I doubt that this will come as any real surprise to anybody, but a study done by Lifeway Research concluded that only one in five Americans ever have read the Bible all the way through. It's just 20 percent fairly strange seeing as how 63% of Americans claim to be Christian. Uh, I've always found it interesting that people will claim to believe in and follow scripture when they haven't read all of it. Um, But then I wasn't terribly different. I grew up in a conservative Baptist church. We did Bible drill and had Sunday school and Bible studies every week. Uh, I had a lot of verses and even a few passages memorized, Uh, still do. Most of them. But I had never read the Bible all the way through. I had read most of the Gospels and other parts of the New Testament. I'd only read bits and pieces of the Old Testament. But I didn't read the whole Bible until after I had my encounter with God on the South Rim. And that happened when I was 22. As many of you know, by that point I had walked away from the faith that I grew up in and considered myself an agnostic. Then I met Jesus in the mountains, and everything changed for me. I couldn't wait to read the whole story. And I'll admit, there were some parts that were more difficult to get through, like Leviticus, but within a year, I would read it front to back. Uh, and then I read it again, turn around and read it again. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't missing anything. Right? And now it's been a while since I've read it all the way through, but I continue to read it just about every day now. And I remember sitting at a table with a group of college students one time who were members of the Baptist student ministry, much like you guys and the one we have here. Uh, this wasn't here, so I'm here. I'm not talking about y'all. Um, but then these were students who had grown up in church. And I asked how many had read the Bible all the way through, and I got a bunch of kind of shy looks. None of them had They knew most of the main stories and other important parts, but they were still missing out. And one of the things I discovered the first time I read through it was that I had been told certain things growing up that I didn't find evidence for in the scriptures. For example, I was given the impression that God hated me for my sin. That I was a worthless sinner. And that's the language that was used. But in Romans 5.8... I read that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in 1 John 4, 16, I read that we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. and Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. The more I've read it over the years, the more I'm convinced in the love of God the love God has for me and everyone else, the love God has for every single person ever brought into this world. In short, what I'm trying to say is that I had a real-life experience with God was then backed up by Scripture. And I think it's been crucial to my faith. And I think this is at least part of what the author of this psalm was getting at, that Scripture and a real-life relationship with God go hand-in-hand. I think as we continue to unpack it, we might see how this might be true in our own lives. So follow along with me as we read. We're going to begin today in Psalm 119, verse 97. (laughs) Oh, how I love your law. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every fault way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've sworn sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I'm severely afflicted. Give me life, O oh Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offering of praise, O oh Lord. And teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. May God bless the reading of His Word. Okay, so, we'll pick it up in verse 97. The psalmist claimed they loved God's Torah law, that they meditate on it all day long. Now, when we tend to think of meditation, we do it's kind of a negative thing, right? But the psalmist didn't. They saw the Torah law of God as something to spend time thinking about, to, something to ponder and mull over in their mind. As I said, I memorized scripture growing up, and it has helped me immensely throughout my life But I was not taught to meditate on it, just to memorize it. there's a huge difference. I could memorize a verse or passage, and then the teacher or pastor would come along and then tell me what it meant. I never had to think much about it myself. I just had to regurgitate. Never had to think about the implications of what I was being told to believe. Never had to think about whether or not what I was being told was a reasonable understanding of the scripture. Whether it made cohesive sense. Now the Hebrew word used in verse 97 is sikal. And it means to reflect or contemplate. In other words, the psalmist was reflecting on God's Torah. Contemplating it, thinking about how it all fits together, considering how it all made sense. How much do we do that? How often do we sit down and read a passage and really ponder it, really think about it? How often do we get together and ask questions and discuss these things? I mean, Sunday morning doesn't really count because I'm just up here talking maybe a half hour and and hopefully what I'm saying is helpful but that's not meditating that's not reflecting and contemplating, it's just hearing which is good don't get me wrong according to the next three verses meditating on God's Torah law was the way to become wise, the way to gain understanding the psalmist wrote that it made them wiser than their enemies that it gave them more understanding than their teachers, that they even had more understanding than the elders of their community, the people who should have been the wisest and most experienced in the ways of God. How can Scripture do this? There's some layers here. First, as we've seen throughout this series, this points us to Jesus. The more we reflect on who He is and what He has done, The more we will understand our faith because our faith is in Him. But we can also dig into Scripture and find out more about our faith as well. We can balance our experiences with what we find in Scripture. It's like knowing someone and then reading what other people have written about them, it's a way to get a fuller picture of who God is of who Jesus is, of who the Holy Spirit is, and of who we are. Now, in verse 103, the author wrote that God's words taste sweeter than honey. This is a sort of metaphor describing what it's like to speak the words of Scripture, to say them out loud. Now, this could mean the author was a Levite or priest who regularly read the Scripture out loud in the temple services that they had. But it can also simply be an observation and an encouragement. After all, how many of us read the Bible out loud to ourselves or with our families or in some other situation? This is part of what makes Wednesday nights when we do Bible study so important because those who gather together, we read the scripture out loud together. Maybe some of you are thinking, why does reading it out loud matter? How does that change anything? Well, it's sort of like the difference between reading the words, I love you, in a birthday card or something, and then hearing the one you care about say the words to you in person. It's why most of us still prefer phone calls to text messages. We are made to interact with each other. That's part of the reason God said it's not good for man to be alone. We are created to be social, to interact. And one of the ways we do that is by speaking to each other. Since long before the time of Jesus, believers have gathered to read the scriptures together out loud. There's another reason, though. It's one of the ways we can hear from God. When scripture is being read out loud, the Holy Spirit can move in us as we hear it. In Hebrews 4.12, we read that the word of God is living And active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Have you ever been in a worship service or Bible study where the word was being read out loud and you experienced the presence of God in that moment? Maybe you were encouraged just by hearing it. Maybe you were convicted. By something that was there. Maybe something was made clear to you, or you received guidance. Maybe you experienced the Holy Spirit as comforter in those moments. Maybe you experienced the joy of God's goodness and love. I think reading Scripture out loud is a vital part of our faith. Whether it happens when we are together or when we're at home, not just reading the words, but speaking them and hearing them. It engages us in our faith in a way that is vital to our well-being as God's children. It draws us closer to the Lord and to each other. Moving into verse 105, the psalmist wrote that God's word is a lamp to their feet and a light to their path. And this metaphor seems pretty straightforward. What God says is illuminating. It allows us to move forward safely by showing us what's ahead, showing us where to step so that we won't fail. Without it, we're left in the dark. No one wants to travel in the dark. We all want to see where we are going so that we get to our destination safely. For some reason, we don't always rely on God's word. Some of the time, we rely on our own understanding our own way of doing things. But our own way and our own understanding are not a lamp or a light. We don't have the knowledge that God has. We don't always know what's ahead. And the question then is, how do we walk by God's ways in our everyday lives? How do we make sure that we are walking in the light? After all, in 1 John 1, 6-7, the apostle wrote, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. and the blood of Jesus, his Son cleanses us from all sin. The psalmist trusted in what God had already said. Is that what we do? When we get into a situation, do we trust what God has already said? Do we lean into the Holy Spirit for guidance and wisdom? Do we pray? A week ago, we talked about reacting versus responding. And this fits right along with that. When people hurt us or we find ourselves in a difficult spot, do we react or do we respond? Do we fall back into our old way of doing things, which is like walking in darkness? Or do we respond by leaning into the Spirit and moving forward in the light, praying and listening as we take each step, looking to the testimony of Scripture for balance as we discern the will of God and then act on it, relying completely on the power of the Holy Spirit to, to be who we're supposed to be at any given moment? Is what God has said and done really our light? Or are we just pretending? As always, the only way to know is to look at Jesus. What did he say? What did he do? How did he respond to the various situations he found himself in? Because ultimately, he is our land. He is our light. And our relationship with Him is built on a balance of spending time with the Lord in real life through prayer and meditation, alongside reading the scriptures, which are, in essence, all about Him. In verse 108, the author extended a free will offering of praise to the Lord. So, what did they mean? We know that God's Torah law had 613 commands. If someone broke one of the commands by doing or not doing what they were supposed to do or not do, there were various offerings and sacrifices that they would need to make. For example, in Leviticus 4, we find that when someone sinned, whether it was a priest or the people of Israel, whatever it was, the necessary offering was a spotless bowl. And then there's a whole list of things connected with how to go about sacrificing it. Uh, the, the offering. In other words, though, if you, if you sinned, you had to bring a specific sacrifice to the Lord for that sin, a specific offering. But a free will offering is different. The Hebrew word there is nadab, and it means voluntary or spontaneous. In terms of an offering, it means an offering the person volunteers, an offering they give freely and spontaneously. It was a way of showing God's, uh, God one's love and devotion out of the heart, out of the person's very being. Whether it was an offering of substance, such as grain or something else, or if it was simply a verbal offering of praise, which is the case here. The psalmist was offering the Lord praise freely, unreservedly. How often did we do this How often do we experience a moment and think to audibly praise God out loud? I think I've talked about this before, but one of the things I've tried to teach uh, my youngins is to thank God and praise God for little things in their day. When the sun would come up, we would say, thank you, Lord, for the sunrise. When it would rain, we would say, thank you, Lord, for the rain. Now, I know that as good Baptists, we are supposed to thank the Lord for our meals before we dig in, I actually think that most Christians do that. But what about other little moments? What about when we see a rainbow? What about when we finish Roundup and no one was injured? What about when there's a cool breeze? What about when the clouds hug the mountains like a blanket? Or the stream makes a gurgling noise as we cross it? What about when we get to see a loved one that we haven't seen in a long time? What other holy moments might we be thankful for? And and should we store all those up for Sundays when we come here? Or should we praise the Lord right then and there? Right in the holy moment that we are experiencing. I mean, it's a free will offering so it can be whenever, right? Right? So why not both, on the spot and in the company of other believers?
1: What if the holy moment isn't
0: quite what we expect though? Part of what's interesting here is that the author wrote this line in between other lines about being afflicted and the wicked trying to trap them. What if we can experience the goodness of God? right in the middle of our pain and sorrow, right in the middle of our grief, in the middle of our trials. After all, isn't God right there with us in those moments too? Are we committed to facing our situations like Job and responding by blessing the name of the Lord in those moments? Is the Lord worthy of our praise even if Things don't go the way we want. There's a song by a band called Mercy Me. Uh, they're the group that sang "I Can Only Imagine." Most of us know that song. This is a different one, though. It came out a few years ago. It's called. It's actually called "Even If." That's the name of the song. And it always moves me every time I hear it. It's sort of a prayer in the middle of hard times. And the lyrics of the chorus are this: I know. You're able, and I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. I know the sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away if you just said the word. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. This has been my prayer more times than I can remember. I haven't always wanted to be thankful and praise God in those moments, but what I've found is that when I do, I'm far more likely to experience peace and joy. And that brings us to verse 11, where the author stated that God's testimonies were their heritage and the joy of their heart. And we know it was Israel's heritage because God gave the Torah to Israel. The tablets Moses brought down from the mountain had been kept in the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, and the Torah was kept on scrolls in the temple and synagogues and read out loud all the time. I think they did it every day, in fact. They had a daily reading. But this songwriter also claimed it brought joy to their hearts. Have you ever heard a passage of Scripture read out loud and felt joy? Have you ever read out loud yourself, and felt joy. Have you ever felt like the prophet in Jeremiah 15, 16, where we read, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Have we been missing out on the joy of the Lord because we either don't read at all or only read quietly to ourselves? Have we missed the power of what God wants to say to us? So what if we take it to the next level? Since we've established that references to God's word and the Torah in Psalm 119 are ultimately pointing to Jesus, have we heard him speak to us? Have we listened quietly for our Savior and King to say whatever He wants to say to us? Have we paid attention to the still, small voice of the Lord? Would we know it if we heard it? Or have we been too distracted in our lives? Have we failed to experience the joy of the Lord because we aren't being attentive? What if we carved out some time every day to just meditate on who Jesus is and what he has done and then listen for his voice? Does that sound crazy? We make time for so many things. Movies and TV shows, books, fishing, hunting, quilting all the things. I could go on and on and on and on. But could we make time to hear the voice of our Lord? Could we just set aside even just a few minutes a day? When I was a teenager, the youth pastor called this a quiet time. Maybe you've heard that terminology. Maybe that's what we all need. Maybe if we entered into such a time, we might know the joy the psalmist was talking about here. Maybe we would find that we have more energy to offer God our praise freely. Maybe we would begin to see the path ahead more clearly as we walk in the light of the Lord. Maybe we would find ourselves drawn to the sweet taste of God's words. Maybe we would find wisdom and understanding that would surpass all the world's wisdom and understanding as the Holy Spirit works within us for our good and the good of God's kingdom. Maybe we would have a Real life experience with God that can be backed up by the stories that we read in Scripture. and Maybe we will be able to echo the words of this psalm in verse 112 as we incline our hearts to God's way forever to the end. We pray with you.